You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Friday, everyone. You made it through the week. It's the Locked On Syracuse podcast, Tyler Rocky and Tim Leonard. Be sure to hit subscribe. If you're new to the show, you'll get fresh Syracuse podcasts in your feed every single morning, Monday through Friday, and also Check us out on Twitter, at LO underscore Syracuse. You will get all the latest SU content and updates and all that stuff. We're always tweeting out updates with the podcast as well. Today on the show, this is going to be one of my favorite episodes of the year. I already know it. I know, we're only two weeks in to 2021, but I love talking hoops with this guy, Jordan Cornette, from the ACC Network, ESPN, ESPN Radio, all that good stuff. If you flip on your ACC network, there's like a 90% chance you're going to see this guy on TV. He's all over the place doing games, hosting shows, all that good stuff. But Jordan Cornette, he's called the last two ACC games that Syracuse has played in. He's got some thoughts on the Orange. So we talked with him, giving you all the latest on SU and what he thinks about where the Orange stack up in the conference, as well as his thoughts on a couple of players. I love this conversation. I know Tim loved this conversation. So let's get to it. Jordan Cornette. All right, pleased to be joined now by a guy who Syracuse fans love. We love listening to him on all of his broadcasts that he does for the Orange. It's Jordan Cornette from the ACC Network and ESPN. Jordan, thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Just want to get into this. I mean, you've done a a couple of Syracuse games so far this year. What is it with you and calling these losing games for Syracuse? I think some fans (laughs) are starting to get a little upset when they hear your voice. Yeah, Tyler and Tim, thanks for having me. And also, I apologize for that. <laughs> Maybe to tie into the losses. Uh, the, the first one to me was really inexplicable. And I think if you ask the players and Coach Bayheim, I think they'd say the same. That's not to take anything away from Pitt. It's just when you had a commanding lead that got as high as 18 points and shot selection was your undoing, it's a tough pill to swallow because that's a giveaway game because that's exactly how I saw it in the second half. As of North Carolina, it's just a tough matchup for a Syracuse team without Barama Sidibe, uh, the challenges that they present with that front line. I actually thought Syracuse played well in that game. I uh, just couldn't do the tough things that are required down low to beat a tough front line like North Carolina, who's committed to scoring down low. Yeah, I think they also just don't rebound when you're in the building there because I think it was 16 rebounds they were down to against Pitt and then down 17 in the rebound battle against UNC. So how concerned overall are you when you look at Syracuse and just the rebounding in those two games and really what you've seen? This has been kind of a theme with the program for the past couple of years now. Yeah, it's always going to be a theme. Coach Beheim's always asked about this preseason, and he always says the same thing. Like, it's not as, as magnified or amplified of an issue as people make it out to be. It's a vulnerability of the zone. I mean, quite frankly, that's always been something to exploit. And I just think with Barama Sidibe, when he gets healthy, you haven't seen him since the first game. It gives you another layer there. Um, so it's concerning to a degree. I just think you want to see more fight. Versus Pitt, it was inexcusable to give up those 20 offensive rebounds. Uh, versus North Carolina to lose on a glass, it's what North Carolina does. Carolina's best offense is throw it up there and go get it. So that was no surprise. It really was going to come down to how much of an effort, how much of a focus, uh, sense of urgency would it be for Carolina to really win down low, and they were committed to that. And that was the difference in that game. Syracuse with Sidibe probably has a little bit more resistance, but doesn't really matter in that one. To me, the focus is on how good offensively can Syracuse be and defensively within that zone how many steals can they generate how well can they defend on the perimeter 
uh, position defense. Second chance will always be a vulnerability, but there's ways to overcome that in other areas. But Syracuse can present those kind of challenges to the opposition. One of the big things that you talk about a lot, and, and I love hearing your analysis on this stuff, is you talking about Joe Girard because he has been kind of a letdown for a lot of Syracuse fans so far this season. They were expecting this big sophomore jump. Instead, they've gotten a sophomore slump. What have you seen out of Joe Girard, and is this sort of a, a one-little-thing fix where he can start being a, a very, very good player in the ACC? It's feel. And for a guy like Joe Girard, who comes in and has broken all these New York State high school records, put the team on my back and do just Herculean things for four years in high school, to then come into that Syracuse squad, and I said this on the broadcast, he was asked to score it last year. I mean, he was a part of that thing alongside Elijah and Buddy that was like, hey, we need you to generate something from a point guard position. So it kept that, that trajectory and momentum of be a scorer, be a scorer. And that's always going to be welcomed on a team, even though they're averaging 80 points per game, have five guys in double figures. But it's how you score it. And there's more efficient ways for Joe to approach it. Joe's incredible talent. Joe on the floor makes Syracuse better. That's not in question. But when you really see the leap, it'll be how he masters the craft of playing the point guard position when he's on the floor playing point guard. When to share it. What's a good shot? For a guy like Joe, being on the floor and with the ball in his hands was a good shot. Uh, it evolves now when you're playing college basketball with defenses that are longer, that are more athletic, that can challenge and contest differently. When you've got four other fully capable offensive players on the floor with you, uh, he's got to do a better job, time and feel of game. Can't remember now because I've done a few games since then, uh, and that was only a couple of days ago. Uh, <laughs> but there was a shot from the NBA three-point range in the, when the game was tight. And Joe was highly contested from the top of the key. And I'm just thinking, no, that's not the shot you want to take. And I think I look at him and Alan Griffin most as guys who are taking questionable shots at times or making questionable decisions. But again, he's only a sophomore and he's going to get a lot better. And I just think with the production that he had coming in comes great expectation. He needs to be tempered a little bit and he needs to let the game come to him a little bit more. By far the hottest topic around Syracuse this year and on this podcast has been Gadari Richmond versus Joe Girard and that whole discussion. And Tyler and I have often joked about it doesn't have to be one versus the other. In a perfect world, they're both playing and they're both successful for Syracuse. But after seeing a couple games, seeing what Richmond can do on defense, seeing Girard struggle a little bit relative to expectations, how do you think Jim Beheim should handle the minutes and Who's starting, who's not starting in the point guard position for Syracuse? Well, Tim, I'll tell you this. I think it's always dangerous for a guy like me to try and second guess a Hall of Famer like Coach Jim Beheim. <laughs> I hear that. <laughs> on my day off on Thursday, I'm not really looking, looking to try to do. I, I like a, a calm approach to my one day off this week. Um, it, it's, a, it's a challenge. They're two very different players. Uh, Richmond brings a lot more defensively and great length at the top of that zone and you're just better defensively on the floor. However, Richmond's not a slouch offensively either. He knows how to play the game offensively, but a freshman still lacks some of that feel offensively that I think you're still seeing with Joe in terms of decision-making and what's proper pace tempo, what's a proper decision to shoot or pass, uh, what's a good shot, what's not. There's still going to be some of those growing pains with Richmond too. I would like to see more balance between the two because – opportunistically there's times when Richmond presents a better challenge in a game like North Carolina 
He's six five. He plays a little bit more physical. Yeah, he's willing to do some of those other things that are necessary versus North Carolina. Sometimes that probably feels like more of a Richmond game. But keep in mind, blue chipper in Joe Girard, like along with Richmond, these are blue chippers. So you're not just going to say sub one out, have him sit the whole time, play this one. It's going to have to be a feel. And if you're talking feel, I think you got the right coach on the sidelines to handle that one, Coach Bayhack. Hey, you know what got started the other night? The NHL. And guess what? You were probably sitting there watching your Sabres, your Islanders, your Rangers, or whatever team you enjoy watching and thinking to yourself, you know what? I'd like to get in on a little bit of action here. I think my team is going to win this game. Well, guess what? Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on that action. And there's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust, and it's betonline.ag. You've been hearing Tim and I talk about betonline.ag for quite some time now. And guess what? If you sign up today, you will get a free account. And on top of that, if you use our promo code Locked On, you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus as well. That's right. You put in $100, you are getting 50 on the house to play with on betonline.ag. We've got the NFL playoffs in full swing, an awesome, awesome slate of football this weekend. And also, of course, Syracuse matching up with Pitt. You can get in on some of that action as well. you got the NBA in full swing. There's just so much sports on right now. You may feel like you're on sports overload, but why not get paid for it on the side and make a couple of wagers at betonline.ag. Don't sit on those sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. And don't forget to use that promo code LOCKEDON, all one word, and you will receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Again, LOCKEDON, 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You know, it's funny, you bring up this whole conversation of feel with both of these point guards, and that, that's a position where it's really beneficial to have a good feel of the game. So just how tough is it, do you feel like, and I guess how surprised are you that this Syracuse offense has been so good, despite having point guards who, I'm not saying they have low IQs for the game, but they, they don't have that, that feel that you'd necessarily like in college basketball at this point. Yeah, and they're definitely not low IQ guys. I just think they're, they are competitors and they generate offense and that's what they've always done. And they're kind of learning how to temper that. So it's not necessarily a, a complete lack of feel. There's guys in this game you watch that have a complete lack of feel. That is not Richmond and that is most certainly not Gerard. Uh, what you've seen with Syracuse that has been fun to watch is Quincy Guerrier has been one of the most improved players um, in this game. And the efficiency of a guy with the usage rate that he has, because there's so much talent, it's not a high usage rate. Uh, and he's maxing out on his opportunities. Gary is a three-level scorer and provides that physicalness. He's got an NBA-ready body, so he can do it at all three stages of scoring. And it's fun to watch him put it all together. Alan Griffin has been huge for this team offensively. A uh, guy coming in from Illinois has provided that punch. But I look at Allen and I, I want to see more of him doing it inside the arc because he has the ability to do that. Uh, there's a catch in the game, uh, Syracuse, North Carolina, the one I just did, the ones you guys were talking about, 
where he got a pass and he tried to catch it and step back beyond the three-point line rather than just step into it with a catch and momentum and shoot a mid-range jumper. That, to me, best illustrated kind of where he's at mentally and how much he wants to make the three-point line his thing. He's a great shooter. Stay with that. But at times, because they respect your three, pursue some twos. And I'd like to see him do more of that. Another guy to talk about is Marek Dolajai. And I loved on the broadcast, I don't know if you remember the play, but it was late stages of the game where he drove in and had, or maybe got a pass right in front of the basket, had an open layup with under two minutes to go in a pivotal point and passed it out to Griffin for what was an open three, but you were right on it. And you said, Marek's got to shoot that shot. And you look at the box score after the game, he attempts just three shots against UNC in that game. I think it was somewhere around there against Pitt as well. As a senior guy like that, what do you want to see from Marek Dolajai as Syracuse kind of progresses into ACC play? He had too much in his mind, this monster front line of Baycott, of Brooks, of Sharp, of Kessler. And he anticipated a defender uh, who was present, but not the threat. The upper hand in that play was Dolajai on the catch. He's 6'10". He's got size. He can finish over that front line. And I call, I remember what I said. I said something along the lines, guys, of it was unselfish, but it was greedy. And it was unselfish because he wanted to get his teammate the look. I think it was Griffin from three. But it was, it was, it was unselfish in that regard, but it was greedy because you had two and you wanted three. And you got none. And those are the kind of plays where you got to say, I'm a double-figure scorer for the Orange as well. I can finish these plays. It's the more efficient look. Now, they're, they're, there's great three-point shooters on this team, so I understand the, the, the free-flowing nature, and I don't even know if that's going to be suppressed from the sidelines. It might be welcomed, but in that very moment, Dolezal's got to catch, say, I'm getting a whistle. I'm thinking and one, and that's going to be the greedy way to get the three, three points there, not a three-point shot contested when I can finish right over the top at 6'10". He probably could have power dribbled and dunked it, to be quite honest. You know, one of the, the crazy things, and it's it's funny you bring that up because it's the lack of shot selection there by Dolajai, but the shot selection in general for Syracuse has been kind of suspect and a lot of early shot clock looks that I know will drive a coach crazy. When you look at this team and their pace numbers are, I mean, they're playing as fast as really they ever have too. What is it with the shot selection that you're watching the game and, and it just kind of irks you? That, that they've fallen trapped to repeatedly doing the same things. Within the pit game, they fell so deeply in love with the three. I mean, they shot the second most threes, I think, in program history. I, I got to double-check that stat. Um, or it was the most in, in a long time, maybe since 2009. I think they shot 39 versus Nova. They shot 38 in this game, in that game versus Pitt. And to me, there was a point where – you have more talent. Pitt was shorthanded. No Justin Champigny in that game and a few other characters. Nike Sabandi wasn't playing. So Pitt didn't have the firepower uh, that, that Syracuse had. And Syracuse built that 18-point lead. You, take, you, take, you have more productive possessions. You take better shots. You're in position to close that out comfortably by double figures. But Pitt began to fight. Pitt began to put together some stops. And like every 18- to 22-year-old kid, when shots are going in, you start guarding even more. And we saw the momentum shift because Syracuse was giving them bailouts. It'd be one thing that to allow a run from Pitt to come back in the game because of a few bad shots. But at some point, you got to stop, settle yourselves and say, guys, we need to take better shots. We need to drive it. We need to attack a closeout. We need to move it more. 
too much dribbling in position where this defense can more easily guard us. We need to put some pressure on them defensively with all the ball skill guys we have, and they were not doing that. And that's why I look at the pick game and say, you gave that one to them. North Carolina, you can live with that one because you played well and you lost. And I don't think shot selection played a role in that one. But shot selection most clearly played a role in that loss of pick. At this point in the season, and it's it's easy to forget, it's still pretty early. I mean, they've only played three ACC games to this point. But when you've watched Syracuse the past two games, what do you think their ceiling is as a team? And are they capable, if, if the right things fall into place, of making some type of NCAA tournament mini run? Absolutely. I think when you have the offensive firepower, the skill that they have, a legendary coach on the sideline like they do, it's the, the complementary pieces that will determine the ceiling for this team, quite frankly. Guys like Richmond, as we talk about what he can bring. Uh, Sadibe, when he returns and is healthy. Dolajai, what he can give them in the, in the last line of the defense. So as much as people talk about the top line of the Syracuse defense, I always felt like it was that back line that was the most dangerous and can really determine the impact of a game because how can they neutralize the backboard? How can they challenge shots? How can they compete when the mid post is, is the catch is made and recovered to the, to the, the short corner? Uh, those kind of things put together with the ability for them to make shots consistently. When Buddy Beheim's going, that team's tough. The team is really tough. When Buddy was going in that first half, that's what made that an, an, an equal game going into the break because Buddy got going. They got away from Buddy in the second half, but I like how Buddy commanded the defense and then made passes to other guys. Can those guys complete those plays? That'll determine the ceiling for this team. But the bare bones, it's a good foundation uh, that Syracuse has there. And I think when you come off a few losses like that, people panic, especially when it's a, a, a proud program like Syracuse. But they're in position. And I, I don't know. You guys tell me, Tyler and Tim, are you looking at a team in this conference where you go, that's Gonzaga, that's Baylor. That, 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 <laughs> nobody's beating them. That's you know, not what the ACC is this year. I was going to ask you, where do you see Syracuse stacking up in the ACC right now? Because I know Virginia had a, a good game last night and, and Florida State blew the doors off of NC State, played one of the best games they've played in program history. Where do you see this team stacking up in the entire conference? Because it is wide open. I always look at it as there's levels to what you're chasing. Uh, you come in and there's teams that say, we can win this conference. There's teams that say, you're probably going to send seven or eight teams typically in the ACC. Uh, so let's be in the top half. And I can tell you watching Syracuse, they're a top half team, which puts them in the tournament. And I think as they progress and they get healthy um, and they go on a little bit of run, you can determine, are they going to compete for a championship in this conference? But after doing those few games, I'm not ready to say that they're out of the mix to win the ACC. Uh, what I can say is I'm also not going to say they can win the ACC. But what I can say is they're in the upper class. They're on the other line of that cut in half the conference. They're on the top half, and that's where you want to be because then you're still playing for something because you're most likely a tournament team. And that's what I consider Syracuse to be. You mentioned how it's a proud program. And I think a lot of people around here are, are frustrated with the, the bubble constantly. And what has become of Syracuse maybe the past five, six years now or sort of when they've shifted to the ACC. When you think back to the Syracuse teams from the Big East and now the Syracuse teams that you've watched the past couple of years that seem to have maybe the same rebounding issues, other stuff might come up during the season. 
What is the difference in your eyes that has taken Syracuse from what was really a great stretch and a great run in the program that's followed by just a little bit of a, a rut here with some bubble appearances? And they have made some runs in the tournament, but just regular season wise. I think they haven't been able to put it together completely. You know, it, it might be one side, it might be um, there's two, it, it's too one dimensional offensively, but they're good defensively, or it's they've got good balance offensively but they haven't mastered the zone yet. When I was playing Syracuse in my four years, they had everything. <clears throat> they had shot makers. They had a consummate point guard in GMAC. They had ridiculous athletes like Hakeem Work, and some guy you probably heard of in Carmelo Anthony for one of those <laughs> four years. So no surprise that led to a title. I mean, that was bottled up. That was lightning bottled up. And what I saw even after Carmelo left was you still had shot makers. You still had guys perfect for that matchup zone system. And you had a point guard who managed things beautifully. It's no surprise that why GMAC was there were four of the better years of Syracuse basketball. It is going to start with great play at the point guard position to get all those, like my boy Bill Raftery says, to get all those ducks in a row, to line those puppies up. I mean, that's what you need to have. you got to have great point guard play that allows for good distribution, shot selection, and they have the shot makers. It's got to be a complete buy-in to roll in that matchup zone and more competition on the backboard. So it doesn't have to be your strength, but it can't be the Achilles heel that makes you vulnerable in every matchup. And we got to mention too, you were a stud on the inside for those Notre Dame teams. What are you, the, the all-time leading shot blocker in uh, Irish history? Let, let me tell you, Tyler, I think if you look back at my stats versus Syracuse, I don't know if I ever scored against you guys, man. That's how bad I played <laughs> against Syracuse. Um, defensively, though, I love playing against those guys. They made you better. Um, Craig Forth is a guy that doesn't get enough respect, but as a centerpiece, plug him in there as a tree for the for the zone uh, and a guy who could catch and, and do the necessary things. It's guys like that that I remember. I mean, Josh Pace was a problem. Billy Edelin was a problem. I mean, I'll always have nightmares about Carmelo and GMAC, but I think about guys like Cleth Dwayne, uh, Hakeem Warwick goes without saying, but it's the guys around them that were always such a big deal to this thing. Like, where's the Billy Edelins, the Josh Paces? Those guys are the ones that make Syracuse truly special. There's always going to be a Hakeem Warwick, a GMAC, a, a Mello, but it's those other pieces that are masters of their craft in their role that have always made Syracuse go. You know, it's funny you bring that up because our show, I feel like, has two segments of listeners. We've got the old Big East people, and then we've got the ACC people. And, and you just made all the old Big East people really, really nostalgic <laughs> by going down memory lane right there. Those are some but, great uh, teams, man. Great teams. Hey, now that 2020 is mercifully over, it's time for a fresh start, and it's time for you to win a few more bets. If you're betting this year and want some more wins, you got to listen to the Locked On Bets podcast with your boy Q and Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports. They got winners every single day. College basketball, football, NBA locks all winter long. So be sure to subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcast. Locked On Bets brought to you by betonline.ag. I look at this Syracuse roster right now, and there's a lot of really fun players. But in your eyes, and you've called a couple of these Syracuse games, who's the guy that you watch play and you just want to tell Syracuse fans, cherish that dude for these 30 or so games because that guy's special? Yeah, when Buddy's playing, when Buddy's hitting shots, yeah. uh, it's like, it's, it's beautiful to watch. I mean, pure stroke, 
rhythm bounce. And you just see like his dad, when you look on the sidelines, you're like, Oh, coach is locked in. He he's, he's in this. It's the same look with buddy when he's going, uh, not nearly as passionate or doesn't wear the emotions on his sleeve, but in between the eyes, you're like, he he's ready. And so I'd say buddy in that regard when he's going, but really enjoy the maturation of a guy like Quincy Garrier. Um, because I think that expectation was put on him unfairly a year ago and it's coming to fruition now. And the guy's quietly doing it on a backboard, scoring it. And what I always love, the guys I love to play with are the ones who are efficient. They made their opportunities count. And that's what Quincy Garrier has been doing for this team. So it'd be, it'd be buddy to start. No question. Um, but right after that, I'm really enjoying what I'm seeing from Quincy Garrier. And I, and I will also add this in. And it's funny you guys mentioned Kadari, uh, Kadari, excuse me, Kadari Richmond, um, as that guy was battling back and forth with Joe Girardi. Richmond's going to have a really bright future at Syracuse. Whenever it becomes his position, I really like him because I know what guys like that can achieve in a Syracuse uniform, and I believe the future is very bright for him. Does he remind you of some of those old Big East names you were mentioning? Because I think a lot of fans have thought that when they see him at the top of the zone. Quite frankly, he's smoother than some of those guys I mentioned. And, and, and when he gets to understand pace and, and gears, how to switch them, turn them on and off, he has those gears. Some people don't have the stick shift. It's just automatic. He's got that stick shift, and that makes him a, a, a differentiator in that regard um, when he becomes more comfortable. And I am looking for the breakout from Joe Girard. You know, I, I think Joe, uh, he's still got a couple more years in this thing. He's not a bad player by any means. He's averaged double figures, and he's a big part of what they do. I don't ever want anybody to think I'm down on him. But I think when he truly gets it, watch out. So that's why I really think that this is a Syracuse team that's kind of sitting on something, and it's so flagrantly early in the season to say <laughs> this is what this team's path is going to be or – they can't do it or they can do it. Some teams are just showing themselves that they're ready right now. I mean, how about Florida state last night? I think they just scored another bucket on the Wolfpack. Uh, some teams have put it together very early. Some teams got to figure it out. And when you lose a guy like Elijah Hughes, you got to figure it out and Syracuse will, and they'll be on their way. They'll be just fine. I'm glad you brought up that stuff about Joe Girard too, because we get tweets all the time firing at us. Like this kid couldn't start on an America East team. And that's kind of what we tell them is like, just let him play his game because he doesn't have to go out there and be the guy who gets you 30 points every single night. He can, but it, sometimes you need a guy who can facilitate. Uh, real quick, uh, we'll get you out on this one. You called the game against Pitt. Um, when you look at Syracuse and that Pitt team, and of course they'll probably have one or two other guys back, uh, that being the Pitt Panthers, but when you watched that game, was Syracuse the better team on the floor in your eyes and they just kind of collapsed down the stretch? Coach Capel knew it. Coach Beheim knew it. The officials knew it. The family members of the Pitt Panthers who were on hand knew it. Absolutely, Syracuse was the more talented team. But it speaks to the acumen of Coach Capel uh, and, and the feel he has for that team, for them to go out there and fight. Coach Capel, is, he hasn't won as many games as Coach Beheim, but I respect him equally as much um, because of how he approaches the game and, and how he gets those guys to buy in. I mean, that was pure fight. And that's why if you're a guy in a Syracuse uniform that lose that game, you got to feel like it's unacceptable. You can live with playing well and losing to Carolina because they have an advantage in an area and they took advantage of it, that being the interior. But you can't go to bed at night knowing that a team out-toughed you and out-willed you to a win like Pitt did. I mean, if Justin Champagne plays in that game, if the way it played out in the second half, Pitt would have won that game by double figures. I mean, Justin Champagne is tailor-made 
to disrupt that zone, much like guys like uh, Garrison Brooks were for Carolina. I mean, he's 6'6", can catch it right at that mid post, comfortable facing up. He's a great rebounder. He can step out, knock down the three. He's a volume guy in both regards, both rebounding and scoring. To not have a guy like that and Sabandi who can shoot it, that game gets lopsided in the second half if Syracuse plays like that. But I know Coach Bayheim, the legend he is, won't accept play like that. Again, it needs to be packaged as Syracuse played well against North Carolina. They just didn't have the personnel to win that game versus Carolina when Carolina goes, we're big, we're strong. We got the advantage inside, and we're actually going to utilize it. And that's what Carolina did in that one. All right, Jordan, appreciate all your time. Real quick, before we let you go here, uh, do you have any Syracuse? Do you have any Syracuse games coming up so all of us Orange fans can fill out our pocket schedules and mark a couple L's in the, uh, the pocket <laughs> schedules right now? We're gonna really, we're gonna really peel back the curtain here. I'm gonna look at my schedule while I'm talking to you guys and see if I have another Syracuse game on deck. <laughs> Well, so because this schedule doesn't usually have my games laid out for weeks in front, but we know this COVID mm-hmm. era, right. as I'm looking right here, I've got, what's the date today? The 14th? Today is the yep. 14th. Yep. Yes. Yeah, so I've got you guys on the last day of January versus Wolfpack. That Wolfpack. I was oh, going to say NC State. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. So that's one of the three games I know that I have left here in January. So. Breaking news and an apology to all those Syracuse fans who are like, great. (laughs) No, they hate losing to NC State too. So, (laughs) so thanks for that. Please don't blame the broadcaster. It's going to be a great (laughs) matchup. There's been no determination in who wins or loses the game simply because of the commentators. And also why I've got you guys here with this platform. And I give credit, Syracuse fans don't do this, but a lot of fans do. I at least haven't had it yet. Do not accuse the commentator of rooting for one team over the other. (laughs) We don't care. Even when my Irish are playing, I could care less if they win or lose because I don't play for the team anymore. So we are impartial in the truest sense of the word. <laughs> we need to like make bumper stickers for that because uh, for every, that should be like at the ESPN meetings. Every every uh, announcer gets one of those bumper stickers to plaster on their car. Last night, some guy was like, "This guy hates our team. Why do you why do you hate our team so much?" And I go, "I don't know you." but you're better than this. Don't do that. <laughs> like, I don't care. I turn the game off and I forget about it. I'm not a coach or player. I could care less. Well, Jordan, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it. And if you're on Twitter, don't yell at him during the game. Just don't <laughs> yell at him during the game. Jordan, thanks so much. This is fun. I appreciate you guys having me on. Always fun to watch young and upcoming guys who are dedicated to the craft and doing good stuff. I'm sure you guys got bright things ahead for you. Thank you. Awesome stuff there with Jordan Cornett. Love that dude. He is the best analyst in college basketball right now. Not saying that there aren't other good ones, but he is the best. When he speaks, all Orange fans should listen because he is telling you how it is with this Syracuse team. So looking forward to that NC State game that he he broke on the podcast. So I don't know. Did Tim and I get a scoop standings point? That might be up for debate next week. So we'll get into all of that and more. We'll also have your pit recap for you on Monday. And also be sure to check out Chad Ford's Big Board podcast when you're done with this one because you may be thinking to yourself, wait, Chad Ford, the NBA draft expert? Didn't we just have an NBA draft? Uh, Yeah, we did. But March Madness, right around the corner. I mean, Selection Sunday, I think, is what, two months away now? So 
we're going to have another NBA draft and another March Madness before you know it. And the NBA draft conversation is going to be heating up. You can hear about prospects like Cade Cunningham, who made a miraculous play the other night, Jalen Suggs from Gonzaga. And who knows, you might drop a, a Quincy Garrier tidbit in here or there throughout the process. So be sure to subscribe. Chad Ford's Big Board, wherever you get your podcast. Tim and I will be back on Monday to chat all things pit with you, break it down for you. Hoping it's not another Syracuse loss. As Tim and I mentioned, this is not a must-win game for Syracuse, but it, it kind of has that can't-lose feel to it. So we will do all of that with you on Monday. For Tim and Jordan, I'm Tyler. We'll talk to you guys next week. Oh,